Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The following is a presentation of the Match Talk Podcast Network. Defenso revolutionized athletic hygiene in 2005 with the introduction of a bar soap containing natural ingredients proven to be effective against skin infections common to wrestlers. Today, Defense Soap leads the world in sports hygiene innovation with a complete line of bar soaps, shower gels, and body wipes that contain high-grade tea tree, eucalyptus, and peppermint oils. Defense Soap. Defend what you have built at DefenseSoap.com. Wrestling fans, it's time for the World Wrestling Resource Podcast. The World Wrestling Resource was made that you as a wrestler, parent, coach, or fan can have access to all the resources of the very best in the world of wrestling. I'm three-time wrestling writer and broadcaster of the year, Jason Bryant, and I want you to join me along with John McGovern and world champions Terry Brands and Dennis Hall as we talk training tips, topical discussion, mental preparation, and more on the World Wrestling Resource Podcast. World Wrestling Resource is sponsored by Defense Soap. Find World Wrestling Resource on Facebook at facebook.com slash worldwrestlingresource and follow us on Twitter at WWRESO and, of course, on the web at worldwrestlingresource.com. Now on to the show as we join John McGovern, Terry Brands, and Dennis Hall. World Wrestling Resource on location in Xi'an, China for the 2019 Asian Wrestling Championships with Dominic Abinator, All-American from the University of Michigan, proud Ohio native, Cleveland specifically, and well, basically Cleveland, yeah. and Team Lebanon here at the Asian Championship. What's up, man? Good. Everything's been good. How you doing? Been a couple, been about what, about a year, year and a half since you were last on Short Time on the, on the network, and a lot has happened to you since then. You've, you've represented uh, Lebanon, which it's actually been a hot topic in wrestling right now, especially with the right. Cliff Keen Wrestling Club, yeah. a lot of guys. But, uh, you know, let's just talk about that transition from, from college wrestling, you know, finally getting on that podium your senior year to, to moving into the international scene. What's that transition been like? Um, it's been good. I had a little injury after the Nationals, so for the first half of the summer, just kind of nursing that. And then um, I had to get my passport for Lebanon. Uh, I've been a citizen of Lebanon my whole life, but just getting the passport took a little bit of time. Um, and then I went to Indonesia for the Asian Games last summer and kind of just dove right into it. Didn't really have a ton of experience in freestyle, but just went out and wrestled, and it's the best competition I've had thus far. So, Yeah, you kind of ran into a buzzsaw there. I mean, it was like kind of trial by fire last year at the Asian Games. Yeah, it was. I had a couple tough opponents right away, but won some close matches, and then uh, obviously I had Yazdani in the finals, which was a tough match for me. So. He's pretty much a tough match for anybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, that, that guy is, is just kind of, kind of made. What's it like to feel a guy like that? I mean, does he give you a feel that you've, you've had in, in, by any American? I mean, I guess most people would say that, that Taylor's style is similar in terms of how fast and funky they are. But, uh, you know, what's it like getting your hands on him? Yeah. So the, the American style, I think, is a higher pace. So I, I thought that I could keep the pace. It's just his underhook just kind of, you know, he controlled the match with his underhook and I didn't clear any of them. And when I went to clear them, that's when he would, uh, you know, knee pick and score and throw it by. So I would say the way he uses his underhook is nothing that I have witnessed or have experienced in, uh, you know, being in America and wrestling the Americans for my whole life. So yeah, just the underhooks and the two on ones are definitely things that I've struggled with thus far and things that I've been working on. And that's definitely what he controlled me in that match with. Let's go back to just the whole citizenship thing because it's been a hot topic in wrestling, and you know, with with your your teammates, the Amins, representing San Marino, and oddly enough, it was their grandfather who represented Lebanon way back in the day. And you know, you said you've been a Lebanese citizen all your life. What's what is, so? Where does that come from? Is that your mother's side or dad's so side? So my dad is Lebanese, and uh, actually, he came over to the U.S. when he was around twelve years old. So he lived there for the majority of his young life, and then um, yeah, the him and my. Uh, grandfather brought the family over and they've lived in America since. So yeah, that 
automatically qualifies me as a citizen because he's I'm a first generation American and he's immigrant. So yeah, that's where where the Lebanese side comes from. So you know, in, in talking with with Andy Rovat when he was coaching with the Cliff King Club about the the whole the, the, the ethnicity of the Cleveland area itself. I mean, what, what was it like for you growing up? Did you you know were you around you know outside of your family any, any Lebanese citizens to kind of like kind of you know assimilate a little bit to your culture? Yeah, I would say most of my family from Lebanon is in Cleveland and obviously the culture of a Lebanese family is very strong. So a lot of the food. Yeah. All the food and amazing, you know, all my relatives speak Arabic and things like that. And then obviously Andy was a big, um, you know, person that I talked to about this. And once Dave came to the Cliff Keen wrestling club and kind of did his whole Slovenian thing, it kind of made me really start to consider, uh, competing for Lebanon. So Andy definitely played a big part in that and, uh, having a lot of conversations with him about it and just hearing Dave's experience with it. And, um, obviously, like I said, my family is very passionate about being Lebanese and, um, you know, just my grandfather especially played a big part in me making my decision. So, uh, very, very close to my family and we have a lot, a very strong Lebanese tie. And yeah, that, that's basically what decided it. In terms of getting the, you know, getting the passport, that can be a, a nice little pain in the butt. Uh, in terms of the opportunity to represent Lebanon, how does that work with their federation? Cause they basically haven't really been a factor or even really a participant in wrestling championships for a long time. Yeah. So one of the issues that San Marino, the means ran into San Marino is that they didn't have a federation. So they had to create one, but Lebanon has had a federation this whole time. They just haven't really had any athletes participating. Mm -hmm. So I just looked up on UWW their you know, their federation email and got in touch with them. And they were pretty good with responding to me and just told me that I would need to go through the process of getting a passport, which I've come to find that just everything kind of overseas takes longer than you think. You know, they move a little bit slower than I think the way we do things in the U.S. So it took a while, but I filed for the passport in, I don't know, maybe midsummer, And then I received my passport maybe three weeks before uh, the Asian games last year. So it was kind of, you know, real quick transition into finding out that I was going to be competing in Indonesia and uh, getting that whole, whole trip planned out. So yeah, I would say the the biggest, the hardest part about it is just the communication with the Federation um, and the different time zones. And, you know, the constant communication can be difficult at times, but yeah, that was the process. Just getting the passport was, was, took the longest. I just filed for it. You know, I was already a citizen, so it wasn't hard. It just, the process took a while. Yeah. In just getting the, the visa to come over here from the United States, it was like, we I sent in the paperwork and it had to go to Chicago to the consulate. And then I get a call like on Tuesday of last week or two weeks ago. It's like, it might've been last week. Hey, you need to, you're a journalist. So you need to do this interview. And it's like Tuesday and they got that snowstorm coming. So right. I'm like, okay, I wake up. Wednesday morning, fly to Chicago, meet with a consulate. Paperwork from the Chinese Federation isn't good enough. I had to give him everything I could go yeah, back, same, yeah. beat the snow. I mean, it was just like, I mean, and, and that's one thing. It, it's, it's funny you bring up the, um, the, the trying to get a passport because not trying to make this political at all. But when a certain individual was elected, I sat there and my mom was born in Germany. I was first generation born here, but my grandfather was American GI. So. Based on, you know, so I could not qualify for a German passport because I was thinking, okay, I get an EU passport. It's easier for me to travel right. than because if you're, you know, now you're, you're, I mean, I'm just curious what, what it's like traveling as, I mean, first of all, how many times have you had you traveled internationally with an American passport prior? Not very many times. Right. So I've uh, just been overseas a handful of times before that. So, so the curiosity is, do you think it's easier to travel with a Lebanese passport than an American passport? I mean, it's, you, you kind of. You know, it depends on where you go, right? Right. It definitely depends on where you go. And like you said, the visa process was kind of a pain to go through. And we thought we gave them everything we needed. Then they contacted us back saying you need a different invitation that has your names on it. And, and what is your purpose? Yeah, exactly. Like mine's yeah. a television commentator. That, that's what that's what you do. That's not what your purpose <laughs> yeah. is. I go, that's what I'm here doing. Right. Yeah, so. yeah, so just I, I usually travel with my American passport now, even for the foreign trips. Um, I think that 
having a Lebanese passport also can be helpful at times. Yeah, it depends on which part of the world you're traveling. And now when it comes to representing the country, was it just like, okay, you're the guy? Was there a national championships? You know, in some places, you know, Stevan, he's he's actually got to win his spot in Serbia. It's not just like his. Right. Yeah. So Lebanon doesn't really have any other really high level wrestlers. They have like a Marine team Mm -hmm. and then they have kind of college competitions and uh, that's about it. So I didn't have to qualify to be their representative. Um, But what I did have to do is they didn't really know who I was. So I had to send them like highlight tapes so that they could review them and see that I was good enough to compete on, you know, international level. So I kind of had to almost like apply for the job, (laughs) but um, yeah, I didn't have to wrestle in a, like a nationals tournament or something like that. So what was interesting is you wrestled in the Asian games, which technically wasn't actually a qualifier for the world championship. So there was a possibility. I mean, did you have, you had to get a waiver or something like that? Yeah, I had to petition in. Um, and my reasoning was because I was competing at the NCAA is because Asian championships was in February last Mm -hmm. year. So I wouldn't have been able to go even if I a trip to Kyrgyzstan from Ann Arbor. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't have been able to go regardless. Um, but yeah, I petitioned in and they, they allowed it. So, and the Asian games is a big deal for those who are, you know, kind of trying to understand, you know, we wrap our, our minds around the Olympics every four years and the Pan American games, which even to wrestling people, isn't really a huge deal because, you know, it's an Olympic style event every four years, the year before, like this year, we'll, we'll, there will be a Pan American games, but you know, it's in other sports, it's a big deal in Asia. It's a big deal. Like what, what was the eye opener for you going down to, to Indonesia? Not really, a, not a wrestling country at all. And, and seeing the Olympic style atmosphere. Right. So I didn't know what to expect really. Um, and they, so this was very interesting trip because none of the Cliff King coaches could really come with me on the trip because it happened so fast. And so my dad decided that he would come with me. So the really hard part was that at, in a games atmosphere, there's an Olympic village. So you have to have passes and all these credentials to get in the Olympic village. So I had no idea even what to expect. So when I got there, they brought me to the Olympic village. They brought a Lebanese coach. Uh, his name was Halil. It was the first time I met him and he, co- he coached <laughs> me there. And, uh, how good it, was his English? It was okay, actually. Okay. It wasn't bad. So he How good was his wrestling? It is his wrestling's okay. He knows what he's he knows what he's talking about, but he uh he obviously doesn't know me, mm-hmm. you know. So it was a little it was a little weird, a little different, but he was a cool guy, so we got along well. And uh I had to go through all these different you know, I had to file for my dad to be able to visit the Olympic Village and I had to refile it every single day so that he could come in every single day. I, I'm like, you guys have the same thing that I did yesterday, but that's what they call protocol. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it was kind of a headache, but uh, I was thankful that, you know, my dad made the trip because it made things a lot easier. It was my first international trip and I was going to have to do it alone. So, um, I didn't know what to expect with the games, but it was really cool because I got to meet some other people from Lebanon. They had other sports there and a lot of, a couple of them were also American. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the fencers especially were from America. So where, met, where's the fencing hotbed? They, uh, you know, where, where would, where would the Lebanese fencers train? Well, it was the, the women's fencing and, uh, there was one girl from Ohio State. There was a girl. Uh, I'm sure you enjoyed that. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. what, from there, and it's that state down south. Or right. I don't know how the whole rivalry thing goes. I know yeah. you guys are that state up north or that right. team up north. What do you guys call Ohio State? I don't know. I just call them Ohio State, honestly. Okay. But, yeah, so there was some people that I got to meet. There was a swimmer from Michigan that competed for uh, Qatar, maybe. One of the Asian countries. So there are some cool different people I got to got to meet. And, you know, the games experience was pretty cool. And just meeting different people from Lebanon was really cool. And uh, it was a really good experience. But I honestly had never experienced anything like that. So it was interesting. Getting back to how everything stateside works right now the cliff king wrestling club you know stevan with serbia you got the amines with san marino you with lebanon you know habit with slovenia and the coach is sergey balaglazov one of the not just the greats you know whatever you could say one of the greatest of sportsmen in history regardless of the sport and so you've got a truly international flavor then you oh you got the, oh the, the regular michigan guys in there training too but so what, what's it like to have that essentially a melting pot of wrestling in there in ann arbor so this time of year it's a little difficult because you have 
uh, you know, Asian championships, the European championships and the U.S. Open. So we've kind of been on different schedules, but Sergey does a really good job. Like right the day we get back, he's flying out to Vegas for the U.S. Open. So he's takes all these trips, you know, and has no problem going on these trips with us. And he's been awesome to have in the room. Um, he's definitely changed the way I wrestle and I think made me a lot more exciting, you know, things that I would have never really done in the past, like a lot of these different throws and arm spins and things that I never really did growing up. Um, you know, I'm after six months of training with him, I'm, I'm starting to be able to hit them in live matches. So it's been awesome having him here, but yeah, just having different, different country people, different competing for different countries has been a little interesting because we're all kind of on different schedules, but I think Sean and the other guys that help run Cliff King Wrestling Club have done a really good job with it. So, roommate situation. Any of you guys live together in that respect? Different countries, same roof? Um, no, we don't. Well, the Amin's obviously live together, but Habit lives with his girl, and I live with my girlfriend now. And um, you know, the Amin's live together, but yeah, they live with uh, Stevan. So okay, well, so you got that. Yeah. So. Now with with the <laughs> that's the interesting thing when you know. Stevan gets hurt, he can't wrestle, which is unfortunate. And you saw the lingering effects of that during the college season. Right. You get to Budapest last year, and who do you draw is another guy with, with, with American college experience who's probably the, one of the only other freestylers in, in Finland is Haino. I mean, when you saw that draw last year, what was what was the first thing that went through your mind? Like, wait a minute, I, I could wrestle this guy during the season. Right, yeah. I That's exactly what I thought. But, you know, the things that he's really good at are things that, I still need a lot of work in freestyle. Like I said, he's got that good trap arm too quick. Yeah. He, he does like a lot of Greco, Greco style stuff. So, you know, a lot of those throws and stuff, Sergey hadn't even been with us yet. So a lot of those throws and a lot of those, you know, chest, chest locks and head pinches, I really had no experience in there and not a lot of training in there at the time. So, um, that's, you know, that was the whole match really. So, I mean, he almost hit Jaden with it the year before. Uh, was it? Uh, it's a, yeah, I mean, he was up on Jaden Cox, you know. Yeah, he's good with those arm throws and stuff. So I, I just needed more time in there, more experience with those types of things. So doing different, you know, we just got back from a camp and, uh, and, um, in Belarus, which was really good. So being able to wrestle some of these different foreigners and having Sergey in the room, I think has given me a lot more insight on how to wrestle in those positions. Now getting to, I guess, kind of maybe the controversial aspect of it is you grew up in Ohio and, you know, been basically been an American your entire life. I mean, you're proud of your heritage and representing another country. Some people are looking at it as it's the easy way to get to the world championships. It's the easy way to try to get to the Olympics. What What's your opinion on that? And why did you ultimately, you touched on it before, but why did you really decide to make that choice to say, I, I'm going to go through Lebanon here? Yeah. So for me personally, I had started thinking about it. Like I said, when, uh, you know, when Dave came to Cliff King Wrestling Club and I talked to Andy, but what really made me make the decision was my grandfather had a stroke a couple years ago and, you know, I'm really close to my grandfather. So that kind of nudged me in that direction because he was always somebody that was, you know, whenever I would succeed in wrestling, he was always very proud of me and he's a very proud Lebanese man. And then he had passed away about seven months ago now. So just, you know, I, I kind of, I don't want to say like I'm doing it for him because that's really not the whole reason, but it definitely played a factor in my decision because I was very close to him. So it was a very emotional time for me and, um, you know, being able to represent his country and make him proud is something that's important to me. And, uh, you know, just family is important to me in general. So that, that played a big part in my decision. And, you know, as far as being taking the easy route to worlds, I mean, to me, I think that the more Americans that you could have competing on the world level, the better. I mean, Russia has people competing for a ton of different countries. So yeah, there's a bunch of them here and this is the Asian continental. Exactly. <laughs> so they have guys, you know, mixed and matched all over the world. So in my opinion, I think the more Americans that you could have, you know, competing in a world championships, the better. But yeah, obviously these people have their opinions about it, but honestly, I don't really care what anybody else's opinion is. So in terms of like resources, I think this is one thing that's, that's thrown out as you grow up, you're using American resources and, you know, competing against Americans. What's your, what's your position there? I mean, do you see, resources? Do, you, do you, I mean, because the Cliff Keen wrestling clubs, America. So, I mean, 
you know, I mean, I mean, Americans <laughs> go to training camps mm-hmm. all over the world. Are, are they using those resources to get better? They go on training camps, you know, all summer they go training camps and vice versa. Other countries come in training camps to America. So they're using American resources. I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. I understand the argument that people are trying to make and I'm not going to like get mad at people if you feel that way. I mean, if you, if you're against it, then fine, be against it. But, you know, obviously it's important to me wrestling for Lebanon and I'm very proud to be able to wrestle for them. So that's really all that matters to me, honestly. Now, were, how, what were the discussions like you talked about when, when Dave kind of got the thing in motion and, and the Amins were talking, Andy had told me that the Amins were talking about it. Now, what was, what was the decision there from what your perspective was on San Marino versus Lebanon? Um, did they, so, well, did they qualify for Lebanese citizenship? You're right. So that's one thing. So I think they could have, but I know that, um, so Mrs. Amin is San Marines, Marines, something like that. In case you were, San Marino is a tiny, tiny country inside of Italy as right. a geography nerd. I knew that before, you know, people said, so she Marino. had gotten them citizenship or did the paperwork so that they had citizenship when they were, I want to say seniors in high school. So they kind of already had half of it done. So I think they, and just, at that point they're probably not, I mean, yeah, it's a wrestling family, but they was like, Oh, we could wrestle world championships for San Marino. It's probably not a huge decision maker in that. It's one of those like, like Alex Dolly, he got, you know, he qualified for Irish citizenship based on his grandfather was born on the boat coming over here. And I think he said his family member got it for him for like, a, you know, a birthday present or something. Oh, by the way, you've got your Irish citizen too. Right. So I, I think they already kind of had half, half of the work done to get the citizenship for San Marino or get the passport at least. So. That I think was a big part in making their decision. Um, also, you know, I think just a side note, if Miles keeps getting bigger, we're both going to be competing at 86 kilos. So <laughs> us both wrestling for Lebanon might be a little bit of an issue. I don't, I don't know if that's his plan or if he decides to try to cut down for 74, but for the Olympic year, um, we would have run into a little bit of a problem there. Um, I've never had a conversation with him about that or anybody else, but just in the back of our heads, I'm sure that's something that's being thought about. Um, so yeah, having, having all these different people in the room and then going to different tournaments with them, I'm excited that this summer we could have a couple more guys going on these tournaments. Cause I think it makes it more fun. So it'll be interesting. What are some of the dynamics that you see in taking what Sergey's teaching you guys based on what you had growing up. I mean, you were a pretty good freestyler coming out of high school, but I mean, you didn't do a whole lot of it in college, but you know, and Stevan with his background's always been a good freestyler. I mean, he was a junior world medalist before even, you know, transferred to Serbia in terms of his, his comp- uh, competitive status. But what type of looks are you guys getting? It seems like it's got to be different. I mean, when you sit there and watch what Kellen Russell's doing, you know, in terms of his career to look at like what habit and, you know, the, you know, what you guys are now bringing with Sergey. I mean, that's just got to be like, just again, another melting pot of technique. Yeah. So I guess just to start from the beginning, wrestling in Ohio, while I was in high school, the freestyle was not as pushed, I guess I want to say as a state like Illinois who had kind of Sean kind of, headhunting their their thing and that's why they have so much success at Fargo and stuff like that so I knew like the very basics in freestyle you know lock your hands around somebody's waist and pressure forward and try to gut wrench them you know and I think that I was just you know a good wrestler so I think that I just kind of wrestled the same ways, you know, sometimes I'll just do like power half, you know, at Fargo or something like that. So it's like Metcalf was saying when he won Greco, he says, dude, all I did was snap and spin. Right. There's no Greco yeah, in so, that. So I didn't know how much technique was behind some of this stuff. Like earlier when I touched on some throws, I didn't realize how much technique is behind throwing somebody. You know, I kind of just figured that you either like a gifted thrower or you're not, but Having Sergey into the room, that's the first thing we started doing was doing some of these step overs and throws and head pinches. And we've been drilling that for six months now. So I'm finally able to really start being able to hit it in live. And I think it's definitely different too for other people, like some of the college kids too, you know, coming to the RTC workouts and that's what we're drilling. It's different than kind of, you know, I'm used to just leg attacks, you know, drill leg attacks for five minutes. You don't really, you don't really drill a lot of throws, you know, at least in my experience growing up in America and wrestling and, you know, the American style, I guess you could say. So having Sergey here has been 
you know, it's been eye opening and he's awesome. You know, I didn't really know what to expect when I heard that we were getting him, but, uh, he's been great. So now I talked to you talking to you earlier before we started the, sh- the, the, the episode here and I'm going to have an opportunity to talk to Sergey. I'm going to try to. And he, you know, he throws that, that the word about his English. He, like I said, he's been doing that excuse for 20 years. But, uh, when, when you sit down and, and talk with a guy like Sergey, who's, you know, I, I've got a poster on my wall of him and John Smith from the grand championship. Right. I didn't even know what wrestling was. It's signed by both of them. Jack Childs gave it to me, the old Drexel coach, but it was signed by Sergey then. Then I showed it to John years ago at training camp. He goes, Oh hell, I'd like to have me one of them. Yeah. But you know, so I've got that sign. You know, so I see Sergey every day on my wall. Right. So it's, it's kind of cool. But you know, when, it, when you sit down and talk wrestling, I mean, what, what is a conversation like? Is it about technique? Is it about, you know, just how you handle yourself? I mean, what, ty- what, what's a conversation with Sergey Belaglazov like? Yeah, so like I said, I didn't really know what to expect having him in the room, but he is, he gets very personable with you, you know, he's, he has gotten to know me as a human, you know, not just wrestling. So, you know, when we have conversations, it's not always just about wrestling, it's about our personal lives and, you know, he he makes it feel like he, you know, truly genuinely cares about me and, you know, he genuinely wants me to win and be successful, which is, you know, it's awesome. It's not just business and wrestling. Um, but yeah, just his wrestling mind is unbelievable. I've never been around anybody like him and I've had, you know, the top coaches growing up my whole life. You know, I've been around thousands of different coaches, but he is definitely unique. Um, he, you know, he, things that he tells me over and over is like, he constantly wants me to put the pressure on the beginning of a match and get the other person passive, put it in the ref's head to make him passive. So some of the stuff is, you know, it's kind of things I've been hearing my whole life, but, um, just the, the technique that he talks about, you can't, not that I ever argue with him, but if you ask questions about it, he's always, he always just kind of just cuts you off and he's like, no, this is the way to do it. Trust me. You know, we've, he's always talking about Russia does statistics. Statistically, this is, this has the most success doing it this way. Um, you know, he, he talks about how it's logic. This is logical. And if you do it the other way, it's not logical. This is taking a risk, you know? So he, he has his very set ways in his technique. This is the way to do it. And there's no other way to do it, you know? And it works. I mean, I can't say it doesn't work, you know, and the success that he had with some of this stuff, you know, he, he constantly is coming into the room and, pulling up his phone and showing me a video of him doing exactly what we did in practice the day before. Um, so he, yeah, the other day just showed me a video of him wrestling Barry Davis, uh, back at the world championships. So, you know, he's, he has, he's very unique in the way that he coaches, but, um, I've just been trying to follow it blindly and I think it's really been beneficial for me. Yeah. As we're doing that, I'm, I'm trying to look up to see, uh, any, any commonalities between him and Joe McFarlane, but, uh, it's not really coming up right now. I'm not just dissing you, but I'm just trying to figure this out. But, you know, in, in terms of knowledge, I mean, you've, you've had good coaches again coming out of St. Ed's. You had a good coach with the Silver Fox and then, you know, Andy and now Sergey. So what, what, what's the similarity between those that, that make them all good coaches? Hmm. Similarities. Um, I would say that. Um, I think, I I think that, you know, for me coming out of high school and one thing I've noticed, like I said earlier with Sergey is all the coaches that I've had are, I've been very close with, you know, and I don't really hear about that all over the country. You know, there, I've heard some different stories from different people. And I think that all the coaches that I've had not only care about me as a wrestler, but care about me as a person. And that's definitely something that I had with, you know, someone like Joe, especially, you know, he's not somebody that just cared about my wrestling career. You know, he was somebody that cared about me and who I was becoming as a man. So I think that all my coaches have been able to do that. And even when I was younger, you know, my dad was my coach. So all my coaches have kind of played a part in my life, not just wrestling. You kept the streak alive with St. Ed's back in, in college, and, and that streak kind of came to an end this year. What was what did what did it get getting away from freestyle and talking about you know coming through Michigan, coming through St. Ed's? What did that mean to you to continue that streak and say, all right, you know what, St. Ed still has this streak of of college all Americans alive? I would say it meant a lot just because of who else is on that list. 
um, you know, to have my name put up with all those guys is, is an honor because those are the people that I looked up to growing up. So they're, those are all the guys that I watched when I was a kid. And, you know, then to be able to do the things that they did is, I thought that that was the coolest part and having some of them reach out to me, was awesome. So how, how hard was it to see the streak end this year? It was tough. It was tough, but I, I kind we of were digging through every division. We were trying to find somebody, you know, because it wasn't just Division One. Because that streak, there's a Division One streak, and then right. there's an all college streak. Because uh, I think it was Mike Mason from Ashland was 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 the non D one. I think it was ninety in that ninety range. Yeah, but. yeah. There was one year or a couple years, I think. But yeah, I you know, I kind of was thinking that it might, but we had a couple chances with guys, you know, L. J. Bentley and. Uh, Hunter Ladnier and a couple different guys we had in in college still, but you know obviously it, it didn't happen. But you know nobody's mad at anybody. It just you know it is. I mean, it's it such is. a yeah. cool streak. I yeah, mean, it was cool, and you know for it to, for me to be the last person, it's also you know it's kind of cool. I mean there was there was that pressure there. I mean some people would think ah that's okay that's okay there was Dean, but you know when when you know let's go back to that year. I mean we talked about it a little bit when you were on short time, but you know is is it was. You know what was the time? I can't quite remember. Was see, it would have been the, you were coming through the blood round, right? So mm-hmm. he would have he would have had to been eliminated before you you took to the mat, right? Dean, so, well, I made the semi. That's right, that's right. I was just trying to figure it out. So so you'd already played, so that was yeah. it. And then did you did you watch him at all? Coming through? Yeah, I mean, I that's something that I've always uh, had to deal with. Kind of is that I used to get more nervous for my teammates wrestling than myself. So even in college, you know, a lot of these kids that I'm really good friends with, you know, Ty Walls and Marcus Scheidel and Mark Martin and all these guys, you know. Yeah, there's a name I haven't heard in a while. Right. All, all these guys I would, you know, always watch and watching Dean Russell back, um, you know, I definitely had in the back of my head that it was, you know, me and him trying to keep it alive. So uh, it was cool, cool to witness. But obviously it was, you know, I didn't want Dean's career to end, end the way it did, but. He, he had an outstanding career, so. Shifting back to freestyle, it is Monday as we record this. It, who knows what time it is back in the U.S. I know that, I mean, there's there's the jet lag. and uh, So in terms of coming to this tournament, sp- speaking about the Asian Championships, what's, what was the the, 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 the the trip like? I mean, a plan, I'm guessing, flying out of Detroit to Shanghai to, to Xi'an? Yeah it, was de- yeah, it was Detroit to Beijing okay. to here, so. It was cool that there wasn't a ton of layovers, and our one layover was short, but that one flight was really long. So just trying to, you know, I wear, like, those uh, compression tights yeah. to try to keep all the... I got the socks because my calves are diesel. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, that was the main part, just, you know, trying to make sure my back... I got a bad back, so just making sure I stood up every once in a while and, you know, stretched a little bit in the aisle and whatnot, but... Yeah, once we got here, just try to get a workout in and kind of get the trip out of your system and, you know, start getting your weight down. Any movies on the plane? Yeah, I watched like four or five different ones. I watched Creed 2. I did too. Yeah, I watched that one too. What did you think of that? I thought it was Sitting next to Sergey, right? (laughs) Were you sitting next to him? Yeah, I was. So he always laughs about the, you know, Rocky Four, but, uh, I thought the movie was okay. I thought the first one was better though. Of of course, uh, you know, the, the sequel's usually never better. Matter of fact, on that note, I watched uh, Pre- the Predator, like the, okay, re- yeah, the yeah. not. I, I don't want to say remake because it's technically following the same timeline. That was awful. Yeah, that was so bad. But Creed Two, I'm sitting there watching Creed Two, and I'm sitting there one like it did not have the ex- it, spoiler alert did not have the ending I expected. Right, you, know, you almost expect the you know Rocky Balboa he lost. You're like, oh, I didn't expect that from a Rocky movie. And then you know this one was like, what? And it's odd because Dolph Lundgren was on TV like last week on one of those weird over-the-air channels on Masters of the Universe. So I'm like, hey, it's Ivan Drago. But uh, I, I thought it was actually pretty good. And again, the ending I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I, at this point, I just think they – it's kind of like the Fast and Furious movies. They just need to kind of stop making them. They needed to not make them. Right, exactly. I mean, I watched, I think, the first one. It was like, what, Vin Diesel, fall back and shoot? It's like, <laughs> yeah. That's how he acts, fall back and shoot. Exactly. Any triple X movie. It just oh, gets so kind of more and more wild every single every single movie. Uh, I don't know how many how many Fast and Furious are they up to now. Seven or something. Jeez, I, I, like I said, I wasted time on the first one. Then they made another Triple X too again with yeah. Vin Diesel. But so when you when you're on these trips because these are long flights. I mean, there's nothing nothing about competing in the Asian continental, whether it be at you know at, at a games or a championships or you know going to the World Championships this year, which are back over. I mean, you rack up some flyer miles going to Kazakhstan too. Yep. But um, 
you know, what is the, the, the preparation like for something like this? You said, you know, when you get here, that's one thing, but going into the trip, planning, you're bringing your iPad, loading up movies. I mean, what, what, what do you do to try to make sure that you have something that's kind of an escape from thinking about who am I going to draw first? Yeah. So I'm a day before packer and I pack day before, get everything. So try to get everything organized and what I need, you know, what supplements I'm bringing and that's one thing I definitely do is download it as much as I can on my iPod or on my iPad. So uh, for this trip, I actually downloaded Entourage, which I'm rewatching. Um, <laughs> I only caught about like half of one season. I never really got into it. Yeah, I like it. So I'm rewatching Entourage for this trip just because I didn't I didn't really have anything new that was interesting me interesting to me. So. That's what I'm doing this trip, but uh, I always download as much as I can because you don't know what the Wi-Fi situation is going to be like, and uh, so that's what I'm, what I did for this trip. As far as packing, I just I knew I was only going to be here a couple days for this one, and so I'm only here five days, which is shorter than usual. So just packed a little lighter than I usually would, and like I said, when I get here, just trying to get a workout in and get as acclimated as I can and get the trip out of my system, um, make sure I'm feeling good, and, you know, take the supplements that I need to take and, you know, get my head on straight. I Like you said, I try to get the wrestling, you know, I try to get it out of my head until, you know, day before or night of, so kind of just you know, watch Andrade all day and what, work out. What's, what's, what's the one thing that you forgot on a trip the first time, first time you forgot it, you know, it was the last time you were going to forget it. An extra towel. That was one thing that I definitely forgot. And then, um, I've forgotten soap once. Definitely. I'm big on the washcloth because you never know what you're going to find there. Cause some places don't have them. I just, I just, I gotta have a washcloth. Yeah. You never really know what to expect. So you know, like I said, I was I was in Stikey for a training camp, and that place was cool. It was really cool. The wrestling portion of it was awesome, but there's just nothing to do there. Oh, it's where it's in. Uh, it's right by Minsk, Belarus. Oh, okay, I was like, I had not. I was like, I have not heard of it. Yeah, it's Being like an it, nerd, it's like an Olympic it. training center in the middle of the woods. So this is Belarus. Yeah, exactly. It's no, so no problem. The wrestling portion. Awesome. Great experience. Got to wrestle some foreigners in a practice, you know, which was, that's my first time doing Got to that. wrestle some foreigners. You say that as a technically a foreigner as an American. Correct, correct. <laughs> so, you know, that trip, that was a lot of Netflix. Oh. Went through a lot of Netflix on that trip. Have you ever been to the whole season on a trip? Oh yeah, I watched the entire Brooklyn Nine Nine on that trip. Like, and okay. was done and before the trip was over, so I had to try to find Wi-Fi. Are you talking series? Or are you talking just a season? The whole series. You watched the whole series. The on whole one trip. entire series. Yeah. Wow. How long was that trip? I was there for a week. Okay. And That's, then I went to uh, twenty-two minutes an episode. That's doable. Yeah. So and then I was in Bulgaria for uh, the tournament. Um, Not quite like Game of Thrones, where you know my wife and I started binging that in April. And we got through it. It took us like three months. But now, now, now it's right now. It's like, okay, I can't get on Twitter today because everything's right. a spoiler. I know. Like that's everything. Really, like everything yeah. on Twitter was like everything trending in Minneapolis was all is like Winterfell, Braun. I was like, yeah. dude, I can't, I can't get on Twitter. I mean, it's blocked here anyway. I mean, I'm, thankfully my, my phone actually gets it because I'm on, you know, whatever, but that's not important in terms of just the, the goofiness with travel. Um, I know that I was in Serbia two years ago. I binged 22 episodes of designated survivor in one day. That was yeah. some serious jet lag. Uh, in terms of expectations though, and when, when, when we're talking about the wrestling, I mean, you know, that guy that's pretty good from that, that country named Ron, he's, he's still here. I mean, he's, he's pretty good. You know, he's really good. You'd wrestle him before, uh, you know, expectations coming in. You, you, you want a medal. Lebanon hadn't had a medal in who knows how long. Uh, I don't believe they've actually had one at the Asian championships. I think I was looking it up today Yeah. and you know, there's, there's trying to be able to first to do something. And, you know, I mean, again, what are the expectations coming in? Um, well, my expectation is to win it, you know, and I want another crack at Yazdani. I've wrestled him twice now and lost both of those matches. So my second match was better than my first. So I want, I want to wrestle him again, you know, and hopefully it's in the finals and hopefully I medal again. That's the goal. And, you know, as far as being the first to medal for Lebanon or whatnot, I'm not too worried about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, my expectation is to medal and, you know, I want to medal at Worlds. And I want to qualify for the Olympics. So that's, that's my goal is, you know, to qualify for the Olympics. And in the situation where it is, 
sometimes you can you can you can qualify the country. Sometimes they'll they'll give countries you know the, well, I can't remember the actual name of the tripartite. I think is the name of it, but the the opportunities. To compete for Lebanon again, the, the IOC likes looking at countries that haven't had representation in either a long time. Or they like Aznaj Castelli. He he was a representative for Haiti at the Olympics in Rio. Was the first one ever. So uh, is that in the back of your mind at all? Like even if things don't go go well, or you know, they, you haven't qualified it on your own merit, you might get an opportunity still. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of like what happened last year for the Worlds. Is I had to petition in, mm-hmm. and people told me that that they want as many. Uh, countries competing in the world championships as possible. So they'll probably pass you, but I want to do it the right way. And I want to medal at worlds. You're not there to be, you're not, you're not there to be a tourist. No, I'm not. And if I'm qualified for the Olympics, I'm not there to qualify for the Olympics. I'm there to win an Olympic medal. You know, that's why I'm doing this. I'm not just doing this for fun. It's like in the winter games. Did you see that downhill skier from like, was it Hungary or something? And she, what she did was just ski down the pipe and didn't actually do anything. <laughs> no, I didn't see oh, that. Oh, man. It was like, I think somebody from the U.S. is like, got a Hungarian citizenship, hit the qualifiers because all she had to do is not fall down and enough people would have disqualified. So yeah, it was just some weird way. She, she just kind of cheated the system. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. You're not going to do that. My goal is to succeed and I, I want to win medals. You know, that's why I'm. That's why I'm doing all this. That's why I'm traveling to China, you know, to win medals. I mean, we're in Xi'an, China right now. Right. I mean, you, yeah. you've been on short time. You were in your apartment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, exactly. Could have done this from the U.S. No, this is, this is you know, where the, and what, what is a, a bigger than normal international hotel room. Yeah, this is nice compared to what I'm used to. Yeah. I mean, normally it's about half these sizes. And, uh, you know, I remember one time. Uh, I think Craig Sesker and I in, in 2009 in Denmark, my, one of, we were rooming together and uh, the room was about as big as a king size bed. And there were two singles in there. And we were pretty much pretty. I mean, the distance between the beds was probably like six inches. So, yeah, it wasn't one bed, but it, it could have been. That's a scary thing. Yeah. When when I was just in Bulgaria for the tournament, they we had to drive from Bucharest um, to the tournament in Bulgaria and. It was just me, Kevin Beasley, and uh, a couple other, a uh, couple other guys, maybe Germany and maybe one other country in the car. And we got there, and they knew what hotels we were going to, so they kind of just there was maybe nine or ten different hotels that were accommodating, you know, the wrestlers. So they're dropping us off one by one, and they drop off Kevin at the U.S. hotel, and it's this really nice hotel you know i was like dang this is nice and then they drop everybody else off and i'm the last one in the car and it's maybe midnight and we pull up to this hotel that's just completely run down (laughs) i didn't know you know what to expect and no one could speak english so (laughs) i just kind of walk in and you know no one speak how how much lebanese do you speak a little bit of Arabic, just a little bit. Okay, so it's Arabic, okay. Mostly the cuss words, you know, that's what I get from my dad. Pardon me for not stuff. knowing anything about Lebanon or Lebanese culture. <laughs> yeah. So then that was my first experience with not having an actual shower, just having like the faucet on the sink and a drain in the middle of the bathroom. So. Seriously. Yeah, it's just, it's like uh, a. I guess we don't even want to talk about the squatters. Yeah. Although I haven't seen any here yet, but there are definitely some in Shanghai airport. Yeah, I didn't even see it at first. I went down to the front desk. I'm like, uh, do you guys have showers here? She's like, yeah, it's in your room. I'm like, I, wait, I what? I don't think it, there's a shower in my room. And she walks into the room and she's like, oh, it's, it's right here. And she just pulls this handle off the sink and she's like, wash. Uh, like, we, all right. I think we scared Sergey away. That was the sound you heard in the background. No, this kind of kind of like the uh, at University of East London where we stayed for the the Olympics in 2012. All the training partners and stuff. Now, obviously, the staff was not in the village, so uh, it was like the bathroom. Okay, there was the toilet, a shower curtain, a sink, and they were all in the same like encapsule. I mean, it was like if you did, if you wanted to drop a deuce, you couldn't. You could do it while taking a shower because the shower curtain was there. It was it was it was it was uh, quite an experience. So, you know, I guess every time you you go overseas, you find something new. Yeah, you never really know what to expect, so come prepared. In terms of the trip so far, what's next for you? Once you get done, win or lose, win, lose or draw, though, you know. Technically, it's criteria. Uh, what are you What are you looking for as soon as this tournament's over? What's What's the training schedule like? What's the plan? So my plan is we we leave the very next day after I compete. So like I said, this is the shortest trip I've been on. It's a short one. So we'll be leaving on Thursday, the day after I compete, and 
go back and then Sergey will be flying out to Vegas to coach up some of those U.S. guys that are in our club. And uh, I'll probably have maybe a week off, but uh, I'll be back in there. Sergey's not really big on time off. He thinks that you should at least be in there doing some technique, which is fine. It's not too demanding on your body. You'll just go in and he'll make the practice you know, a little less demanding on your body. So... After about a week, I'll be back in there doing some technique, but I probably won't compete again until maybe August. So I'll have a little bit of a break, my biggest break so far, but we'll be training. And I think we're going to do another training camp in Stikey at some point. So, And in terms of day-to-day life, I mean, uh, a lot of questions about what people do when, when they're part of a training center and whatnot. I mean, you know, work, I mean, putting degree to use, coaching, what, what are you doing when you're not wrestling? Uh, so obviously I try to do as many camps and practices as I can on the side, but, um, I try to stay as busy as possible, (laughs) different hobbies, but honestly, I do have a lot of free time. So it's difficult to get a job because you have practice and competitions. So you never really know when you're going to be gone or can show up. So a normal job is kind of hard, hard to get, but, uh, yeah, I have a lot of free time. I, I'm trying to learn how to play the guitar. I'm trying to speak fluent Arabic. So I'm trying to find different, different things. I haven't actually ordered like a Rosetta Stone or anything, but my dad speaks fluent Arabic. So you'd think that he would have taught me. Yeah, that whole immersion thing. Yeah, well, I, I've got Rosetta Stone volumes one through five yeah. for, for Russian. I've made it through uh, lesson one, section one. Yeah, so I just have to it. commit to doing that because. I'm not really big on like reading. I didn't, I didn't always love the study. So ah, student putting the student, student athlete, right? <laughs> yeah. There. More of a podcast guy. Uh, see, I, then now you're making your second appearance on this one. So, yeah. okay. Well, let's keep with that. What's your favorite what podcast? What's on your phone right now? As far as your podcast goes, Joe Rogan. Do you listen to them all or do you just pick and choose? I pick and choose. Um, Joe Cause, Rogan. Cause when Alex Jones comes on, I am not any, that guy's a whack job, but sometimes I'll listen to like the, I was like, what is this guy going to say next? Holy crap! He said that. How do I, I? You know, Joe's good with that. Those type of guests. Yeah. So I do. A, I like to listen to some. I just like it because I feel like I'm learning when I'm listening to it. And like I said, I'm not like a huge just sit down and read mm-hmm. guy. So I feel like I'm learning. And as I get older, I'm like genuinely enjoying to learn different things. So all the MMA ones I'll watch. Um, just hearing how the different guys handle nutrition and, uh, their training schedule is always, you know, very informative and helps me. So I like to listen to all the MMA ones, but when he has different guests on, I just kind of pick and choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen to part of my take every now and again. It's kind of amusing, yeah, but I'm not a they're, huge they're hit or miss guy, kind so. of. So yeah, those are Joe Rogan's definitely, definitely. My, I like Ben Shapiro a little bit here and there. Anything as far as the entertainment realm that, that that might people might look at you and be like, wait, what? You listen to that? Nah, nah. Those are just those three. I usually stick to so three. They're, they're I've, hard I've got like a hundred and something, but yeah, yeah, they're hard to get through. So I'll usually start it in the morning. I'll walk my dog and throw it on. So I'm big into some of the pro wrestling ones, like because I grew up watching the fake stuff. I don't want to. Sorry, Jerry Briscoe. <laughs> I don't mean it like that, but like the stuff that's you know the, the sports entertainment. I'll, I'll it'll take me back to the '80s. So I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh, there's a three-hour podcast or watching WrestleMania three. All right, let's do that. Right. Do you listen on two X speed or anything, or are you just uh, normal? Just normal. I, I was listening to stuff at like 1.5, 1.8. So you, you blow through them a lot faster. Yeah. So I, sometimes I'll throw on the Ben Askren thing, but well, he just put some stuff out with the stats, which I thought was interesting with Sergey saying these, these things are, you know, talk about head pinches don't aren't scoring much at the senior level when you're at the world. So kind of interesting on, on that regard. Yeah. Very interesting because I, that's probably one of the only times I've seen like stats like that mm-hmm. from the U S or, you know, I don't want to say the only time, but yeah, he always talks about it. You know, we were just talking about the tripod position and, you know, in the past, I had just kind of run a gut when someone's in a tripod and just get them to break. And he was saying how, you know, statistically, the gut wrench is not good from somebody from a tripod because it's too easy to step over. So it's not, you know, it's not logical. It's not logical. You know? <laughs> so he he likes us to crotch lift from there because you can get four points yeah, for get four, it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's got a bunch of different stuff. But, yeah, he talks about statistics. You know, statistically, Russian, we do statistic. This is the best statistic. So. 
Lastly, this show has been sponsored by Defense Soap for a long time. I actually brought it with me. Zeb Miller hooked me up with some at the NCAA tournament. And, you know, there's, you know, Guy Seiko has got the, you know, got the St. Ed's connection. And, you know, just give you a chance to talk about, uh, you know, before we even start, he said, that's my, that's my guy right there. So let's just talk a little bit about uh, what he's been doing. What's it like to, to, to know those guys and, you know, what you like about whether it be Defense Soap or just the Seiko family in general? Yeah, I just like the Seiko family in general. I do like Defense Soap as well. Um, but yeah, I probably went over to West Shore when I was fourth or fifth grade. So Guy Seiko was my coach as, you know, from fifth grade to eighth grade. And then, you know, having Gus around because he was competing at St. Ed's as well. So I know the Seiko family pretty well. But yeah, Guy Seiko is my coach growing up. And, uh, you know, he is actually doesn't get enough credit for the St. Edward program because West Shore has been a feeder program for St. Ed's for years and years. I think there's kind of a misconception about St. Ed's that they get a lot of recruits from all over the country, kind of like Blair. But we they're really from don't. Ohio. They're all from Northeast Ohio. And, uh, you know, he he is a big part in that. And you don't really hear his name a lot for it, but, you know, he runs run the West Shore program since I could remember. So, you know, all all those guys were in West Shore, the Palmers and, you know, a lot of those big name guys. Was the bear in the club, too? The bear. The Palmers bear. No, I don't think so. No, but that, that's a bad joke. I might cut that out of the show. I might just leave it, too, because Dwayne might laugh at that one. Yeah, yeah. He might not laugh at it. He might, you never know. He's a wild man. Dominic Abinader. Or as the credential says, Abu Nader. Yeah. <laughs> out there as, as a, we've got the credentials going on. It's, uh, good to see you out here, man. I look forward to seeing you out and, uh, hopefully I'll be able to call you on TV in the finals there when, when you get there on, uh, well, Wednesday night. Yeah. It's good to see a friendly face out here. So thanks for having me on. And somebody that speaks English. Yeah. Exactly. I don't speak any Arabic and I speak even less Chinese. <laughs> Subscribe to the World Wrestling Resource Podcast by going to wwrpodcast.com. And check it out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, or wherever you find your podcasts. World Wrestling Resource at worldwrestlingresource.com. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.